This week on Retronauts, we talk about old video games because you demanded it. Everybody, it's me, Bob Mackey, your host of Retronauts for Retronauts Live, episode 58, our first video episode slash podcast episode, I guess. If you're watching this on YouTube, hi. Wave to the camera, everybody. Can we they speak can see now, us. Bob? You're allowed to speak, but wait one second. Today's okay. topic is the years in review. Today, we're talking about 1973, 1978, 1983, 1988, and 1993 in a Retronauts tradition that's been going on for a quite a damn long time. Who is here with me today? Who is to the left of me? Don't interrupt. We'll have to start over the podcast again. I, I don't I'll, want to I'll say turn, anything. I'm I'll turn this car now. around, gentlemen. <laughs> I'm the meek Jeremy Parrish. Yay. Triumphant return. Huzzah! Hail and well met, Jeremy. Yeah, Jeremy's back, everybody. You asked for it. In they stopped form. asking. Can you hear yes. the enthusiasm? <laughs> Who else do we have here? Sam Claiborne, IGN. Sam making his 90th appearance, 90th appearance on Retronauts? Uh, nine. Ninth? Ninth. Sam, when am I going to get an invite for NBC? Oh, you want to be on NVC? That's, I've always that's a wanted to be on NVC. Where we talk about old Nintendo games, so you're right. welcome to be on it. Do I have to fill out an application, or like, do I need a passport? Well, we'll have a stepdad segment. I am a, I am a convicted felon. Does that count? <laughs> oh. Against me? <laughs> hey, I think we have a call. Oh, no, we don't. Oh, yeah, the phone's off the hook. Bray, who are you? No, 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 the phone is off the hook. Cut These kids. Out. Who else do we have I here? That. I'm Ray Barholt. <laughs> <laughs> Ray's staring into the camera for those of you who don't watch. Turn down the sexy Ray. <laughs> it may be too much for our viewers. No, I actually I'm, I'm meeker than Jeremy. So Okay, we're gonna have a meek off later. Yeah. Please please uh, stay tuned for <laughs> who that. Who shall inherit the earth? Who groans more? Will it be that's Ray Barnhold or Jeremy Parrish? Wow. Groan. That's quite a uh, prize. So anyways, uh, Sunday, today's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. You can be watching this episode on YouTube, you can be listening to it, you have your choice, but today... you can do Maybe it's both at the same time, if you prefer. Mm -hmm. That's just weird, though. I like to think it's like our CD-ROM companion. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is like the Dennis Miller, uh, what was his CD-ROM called? <laughs> I was going to say, this is more like Peter Gabriel's Explorer 1. Okay. It's an album and a CD-ROM endeavor. Are sure. you usually in rooms where people can answer what Peter Gabriel's CD-ROM was called? Uh, no, but Are I'm usually in rooms you? where people can say what Dennis Miller's... Wait, that's no, it's called That's Geek to Me. Oh, yes. sorry, Dennis Miller. Yes, yeah. thank okay. you. There we go. He's awful, by the way. So yes, this is our first uh, video, Retronauts, and we're doing a, a podcast as well. So if you want to see more of these, and you should be wanting to see more of them anyways, and we have other videos too, so please go to youtube.com slash network, and we're trying to uh, re-engage our video efforts, and this is the first uh, step. Maybe this is the third or fourth step. I don't know. I'm not keeping track of this. It's not like I'm in You're charge of it. You're the video pooba. I'm not in charge of this. Well, maybe I am. Okay. So uh, for this episode, since it's such a jam-packed episode, we're not going to have time for viewer mail. I have a great letter I wanted to read, but we are kind of short on time. Let me just give you the address. Again, if you want to send your mail, please send it to Retronauts, care of Bob Mackey, IGN.com, 625 Second Street, third floor, San Francisco, California, 94107. Do it today. And if you send it in the form of a pizza, we'll all read it. Yeah. Make sure you send that pizza. Like, How, how do you send a pizza and keep it intact and non-rotting? Pizza, pizza gram. Pizza gram. Only if Pizza the Hut delivers it. 
Yeah. He just tears off a chunk of his body for you. We prefer local deliveries. It's anyway, actually a land just... shark. It's yes. Pizza Grandma's secret code for land shark. Ooh, I don't want that. Gonna be talking about many a year, and Jeremy did not want us to talk about 1973. And I'm, I'm asking Jeremy, what do you even? Hiding? I wasn't alive in 1973. It doesn't <laughs> count. What does it matter? I but thought we were starting earlier than that. I heard you talking about the Babbage machine. Today. We were, we were going to talk um, about 1903. That was a joke. But we're going to start with 1973, and there's not a lot happening this year, as indicated by Mr. Parrish. But I'm going to include it for the sake of being comprehensive. That's the most important thing of all. Uh, two uh, important developers were founded. One of them is Dead and Buried, uh, Konami and Hudson Soft. What is the state sure. of Hudson Soft today? Uh, uh, it is resting in state. Okay. It has been like incorporated into... Yeah, somebody owns like the uh, Hudson name and stuff like that, but I don't think they have any... Employees. I think the rights reverted back to the train company Hudson. <laughs> oh. Okay. At long last. No. no, they absorbed into Konami, because it right. So. Oh my God. I mm. forgot about that. Thanks, yeah. Ray. So it's strange that they both started in 1973. I guess not, maybe not strange, just yeah, a weird coincidence. Right. Konami mismanaged Hudson even more than it mismanages itself. Oh, I was going to say, That's what kind is... kind of impressive. I mean, uh, Konami's early efforts, especially at this point, are not worth really talking about. But, like, what is the state of Konami today? I, I'm just kind of confused about that. Like, what are they besides Metal Gear? Have they figured they that out? They still have those gyms in Japan, right? Oh, right. They yeah. have a Dragon Collection. That's pretty much where they make all their money. Is the that a game in Japan. Oh, one of those things that steal yeah. money from you? 90% of their TGS booth is Dragon Collection. Okay. And don't it's, they have a... it's one of those games, you know, you play it on your mobile phone or whatever, and you don't really play it so much as just you kind of keep hitting forward and it keeps letting you win, and then it Numbers says, hey, put up. more money in. Yeah, it's like, hey, you want to win more? Yeah. We need more money. Yeah, exactly. I love those games. I don't know why those have such traction in Japan, but man, they are, they're huge over there, and Konami has made a lot of money on Dragon Collection. Mm. Do you Much know if those so than... two Japanese companies started because of video games, or were they starting for other reasons? I believe they were both video game uh, specifically. Because a bunch um, of American companies well, popped up then, like Williams and stuff like that, to just make Pong clubs. Yeah, right. No, not right? that early. I mean, video games weren't really a thing in '73 in Japan. Well, I mean, Pong well, clubs. Pong, Pong clubs started in that sense, in 73. yes, but like most of these. Old Japanese companies mostly started as like you know amusement manufacturers. Like eventually they moved into video games because yeah, that but was they would start early. Business. So I'm just saying but, like Y73 for Hudson and Konami is what that, I'm asking. It's a great year. <laughs> yeah. Um, Despite yeah. Jeremy, yeah, he he says nothing happened. They're like, we'll prove you wrong. Cat well, like, I mean, in, in Japan there was stu- there was stuff going on. There were pong clones being made there. Yeah. Um, I I I read in multiple sources that said that the first Japanese video game was in 1973. And uh, I guess it's slightly debated, but there was a game called Soccer from Soccer Taito and Ramtech. Okay, I didn't see that in my, in my uh, research. It's actually programmed by, and I have had to write down his name because I don't know off the top of my head, but Tomohiro Nikishada, Nishikado, who Nishikawa. did Space Invaders. Oh, Nishikawa? Did uh, Soccer for oh, okay. in 1973. And he claims on his own website that he, he did the first Japanese video game. Hmm. So it's kind of a bouncing ball type game, but it's, it's, not, it's not tennis. Okay. <laughs> and it looks awesome. It's a wood wood panel machine. It says soccer in big red letters on the front. And I think uh, it was uh, manufactured by uh, Ramtech. Look that up, Ramtech. It's Weird. so cool looking. It's silver and red art. 73, though. 
So if we're ready to move on from Konami, we have some other awesome things happening in 73. Maze War, the first FPS, if you want to call it that. It was developed for the Imlac PDS-1, which was sort of like a graphics workstation. I imagine it filled a room. So is it drawing in vector? It was all vector, yeah. I watched have the video seen, of you it. you seen a video of it? Okay, yeah. I was starting to look that up. I and uh, I want to remind our, our, our listeners and our viewers, I'm going to start uploading playlists related to these episodes. So awesome. if you just go to our one up, uh, sorry, youtube.com slash the one up network, you can find a playlist for this episode. It'll have videos related to what we're talking about. And I watched an entire video about Maze War this morning. It was pretty damn interesting for yeah, a game. Yeah, that's some uh, serious maths. Yeah. Like that, that I thought like Faceball or something a little bit like Meaty Maze or whatever were those were you know the first FPSs, but I had no idea about Maze War. I learned something new every day, people. Cool, seventy three, huh? Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, On not like a late gen Eviac. So, well, it's it's called a P. <laughs> it's like, uh, tubes the P- and vectors. PDS one. I imagine there was like vacuum tubes and like sure lightning was, hitting it. It was kind of patterned after project. like the PDP one, that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it's not like you can go out and like you know go down to your local Babbage's 1973 or whatever the hell existed and play this. It was exactly, it was like at universities or whatever. Yeah, I one imagine. university. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? So we so also have, um, programs either. as uh, Sam and I believe Ray were saying, we have Midway and Williams. They both released their first arcade games. Midway's first arcade game was a licensed Pong clone called Winner. Uh, that Steve- game's cool. Really? Yeah. How is it different than Pong? Four, I think what? it jumps to Winner. Yeah. What makes it different than Pong? I think just, I'm just saying that because it's a beautiful cabinet. You can go to the Musée Mechanique, and I think they have a, a okay. Winner Four. Um, is that in Germany? Is <laughs> it in Germany? Oh, no. Oh. Musée Mechanique is a, a French name, anyway. So. Ooh. Your joke. Well, I, I can't I can't tell when it's not written down. No, in Germany it'd be Musée Mechanique. <laughs> it'd be one word. Yeah. Yeah. Germany's going to be coming up soon. Don't worry. Oh, good. And uh, Williams releases their first arcade game, Paddle Ball, which is an unlicensed Pog clone. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Uh, weren't, all, weren't most Pong clones unlicensed? Yeah, really? I had never heard that, that, was, that there was a licensed uh, game from you know, Atari at the time. I didn't know that that existed because you could, you could literally go buy a game, reverse engineer it, and put out a Pong game. Yeah, I, I think like every department store had their own Pong like system, like the Sears Pong, the JCPenney well, Pong. Yeah, at, at that Pong. point, reverse engineering consisted of like looking at where the vacuum tubes were and putting yeah. them on a... There's no uh, vacuum tubes. Joking. Okay. Transistors? But, but there are no... Uh, there's there's no printed circuit board either. Oh, well, there's right. printed circuit yeah, board. Yeah, so it's... But there's no, there's no chips. Right. It it's is resistors. all... Resistors. It's all analog technology. I mean, you can fit the, the diagram on a piece of paper. And in fact, we're sitting about 100 feet from a Pong clone from 1973. Oh, we are, but is, is, is it empty? Is it empty, that thing? It's not empty. It okay. has everything but the television in it. So Pong uh, was equipped with a uh, usually a MGA television. And uh, which is like Mitsubishi, and it's just like a white TV inside. That one has a brown wood grain TV inside. It's a little bit bigger than a Pong screen, and uh, everything else. It was bought by a guy in the barrier, Rich Boberg. As I was just saying, he just went to to Atari, bought it. He lived across the train tracks. He was like an MIT friend of his. They bought the game, brought it back, reverse engineered it, put out five copies, made their money back. Nice. So that's what people did all over the country, and that was 1973 for you. But what's sad is that it didn't stop until like 77. You know, like there wasn't, well, I guess, yeah, until Space Invaders, there wasn't really any, any relent, you know, stop in the relentless spread of Pong. I haven't, I didn't find this in my research, but does anyone here know if there were any lawsuits related to Pong um, in the 70s? It's, it seems like a fertile ground yeah, for litigation. Okay. I, I didn't see anything about that, but it seems like so many people ripping off Pong that it only seemed natural that we'd see some sort you of lawsuit tell who won. pop up. Everybody else won. I mean, yeah. Atari wasn't able to patent Pong. That's true, and we'll see that later with some other lawsuits I brought up. So if we're done with 1973, ready to move on? Sure, cool. Let's throw it in the just garbage. <laughs> Go.
1978, a year that Jeremy Parrish did exist. So <laughs> yeah, the world is much a much better place. Cool. Well, I was born okay. before 78. So we have um, one game console, actually two game consoles released. Uh, back to Germany for us, the Interton VC4000, <laughs> the only German game console. Uh, I, I read about this in this book, and I'll hold it up for our camera here. It's Game Machines, 1972 to 2012. Uh, they sent me this last last year as a free complimentary bribe or gift. I don't know what to call it, mm. but I've been using Auska it since. What's that? That means awesome in German. Okay, nice. Or you can say guile, which means cool and horny. And it means you have big blonde hair. Did you say guile? Guile. Okay, that makes sense. I know sense. you're making a guile <laughs> joke. So, yes. Have you ever heard people say his name, Guile? I've heard, yes, that's I have. the funniest thing I've ever heard. I've heard Gilly, too. Gilly? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I believe that's a Saturday Night Live uh, thing. Now. Gilly and Ryu. Oh, yeah, Ryu. I think Ryu is a common mistake. But, or Keen. So I've been using this book, and it, it taught me all about the Interton, which was the only German games console. Uh, uh, did Al Gore invent that? Yeah, the Interton was a series of tubes <laughs> like Pong. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, it was not that fascinating. It was sort of a weaker Atari 2600 clone in that's its own cool way. Name. And it had uh, it had 40 games and two controllers with analog sticks, believe it or not, and a phone-like button grid that you put overlays onto. But yeah, this is were... one of many... Uh, Wait, of when these... you say analog sticks, you mean like if you actually push it further, it I believe so. Faster? They were called analog sticks in the book, and I haven't actually used wow. one. But yeah, there are analog sticks. What? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is one of many systems at the time, and I'm sorry if you're one of our European listeners, that it's just like kind of indistinguishable from the rest of these sort of... St- kind of samey looking consoles. Do they take VCS type games? Um it, they look kind of like VCS games, but it's uh, it's not as powerful as the VCS if you could. I mean, oh, think oh, about oh, that. Oh, think oh, about oh, what that description boy. means. It's probably like the Microvision. It's oh, like yeah. 16 dots. Yeah. We also have the Philips G7000, which was a strange mix of computer and game console, but didn't really do a good job at either. Philips um, did it, huh? That yeah. sounds like a familiar refrain. Yeah. I hear that, that a lot in, in game history. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, I believe it, it was in, it was in Great Britain, but I'm not sure. Let me. T- I, I'll check the book later. Maybe write about it on the blog. But this is like my, like Jeremy said. This is like one of the many what do you, microcomputers you would call them. Mm-hmm. That's how they're classified. And there's just so many of them. We're gonna find out what happens uh, when you do that to an industry in in five more years. When mm-hmm. We move on to that. So if we're ready to move on from those uh, strange consoles, we have the founding of SNK, which means uh, Shin Nihon. What's the K stand for? Kikaku. Kikaku. What does that mean? Kikaku. Product. Product. Do you so, remember new Japanese product? We right. talked Kaku about them a lot on the Wizard episode product, because they had them only SNK and Nintendo had machines. A Romstar. The there was some Romstar stuff. Yeah, I think up that in is there. the same thing as SNK. Yeah. Oh, There's such was... a Milan's or shit in that movie. Though. Yeah. <laughs> Check out our Wizard episode for more on that. Yeah, so yeah, we had one. SNK uh, founded, and um, I don't know if we want to say anything about that. What is SNK part of now? Romstar. Playmore. Playmore. Right. right. Is that yeah, a good like good weird pachinko supported sketchy? No, that was the last one. That was okay. their last owner. Okay. Did you say pachinko supported? Playboy yeah. is Korean, right? Yeah. Yeah. And is SNK, um, right? I know you probably know about this. I mean, have they been a, a group that produced anything of note recently outside of like re releases? Uh, well, King of Fighters 13. All right. <laughs> How about that? Does the uh, Geo Gold X count? Sort of. It's licensed, but yeah. Yeah. It's a cool little thing. It's SNK it supported. Is. Got Stay one on my desk. We're going to do a video about that for one up at some point. So I guess we can move on from SNK to what we were just talking about earlier. Space Invaders uh, comes Mm -hmm. out in 1978, and it pretty much marks the beginning of the golden era of the arcade. It inspired Uncle Vic's tune Space Invaders, which I recommend everybody go Google right now. It's really good. It also inspired the the Kickstarter for the laser-cut Space Invaders Mm -hmm. chess, which... Got a copyright flag this today. Did it? That's not going to happen. Yeah. What? Okay. So I was just going to... I mean, I know Taito owns the 
the right Square Enix that. actually. Square, oh, Square really? Enix owns Taito. There you also go. Do you think uh, Nishikado ever gets any kickbacks for his Space Invaders designs anymore? I doubt it. That's not usually how Japan works. that yeah. worked back then. <laughs> it's like, sad. Toru Iwatani did not make Heavy Bank off Pac-Man. Yeah. yeah, but you always hear the rumor that like Alex Fijinov didn't make any money off of uh, Tetris, but he did. He made not, it not initially, but later. Yeah, but I mean, I mean he's he, making royalties off of it. Right, but I mean, he had to... So I wonder if these guys He had to go... Royalties. Well, you know, Tetris was a different scenario than than these. Like yeah. Tetris had all the weird copyright and ownership and and state possession because of uh, because of the Soviet Union structure at the time. Whereas Pac-Man, but that's Space why Invaders the rumor started were created that he didn't by, get paid for it. right? But those were created by you know corporations that continued to license the games, mm-hmm. and the dudes who created them were just cogs in the wheel at the time. Yeah, and so that was probably settled in 1980 for Space Invaders, mm-hmm. then, instead of, or 1978 instead of now. I mean, I think Iwatani became an executive or something. That's, I he guess spoke that's... Yes, we all saw him. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much, uh, that's pretty much your fat royalties. A doctor. A doctor of video games. Professor. Like Dr. Dre's doctor of rapping. Right, yeah. uh, I love Space Invaders. Yeah, it's great, and I, I would go on more about it, but Retronaut said an entire episode about Space Invaders, or partially about Space Did Invaders. really? It was back in 2008, and I'll, I'll link okay. to that in the blog. I'm sure you Did guys... I do that? You were, you were on it, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, you were there, Jeremy. five years what? ago now, what so we hell? can talk about that because it's yeah, a five-year... Yeah, that's year... retro. Let's, oh my let's God. talk about the 2008 episodes of yeah. Retronauts that <laughs> I don't remember I don't, want to, I don't want to get that self-involved. Did you guys settle the uh, the myth that... Um, the, the, the yen shortage. About the yen shortage? Because um, that's still su- written everywhere without citation. Mm. Chris Kohler had it in his book, so I always wanted to ask him about it. It feels like something that was maybe blown out of proportion, but it could have been like... There's a shortage, or like, not? There not was like an a town epidemic that that no one could, you know, no one could find hundred yen coins for like a day or two. Sort of like well, how I mean, even in Wikipedia, there's an unsighted sentence yeah. that says there was a three hundred yen it's, shortage. It's Wikipedia, and so it was printed. <laughs> Plus, right, doesn't right. have the wisdom of the masses, so my friend. So they had to print yeah. more. Was the thing? Well, I mean, and there's also crazy numbers, like three hundred thousand games in Japan. Yeah, that that's. That's crazy. For any arcade, there's no arcade machine in America but, that had three hundred thousand yeah. copies. But no, does I that mean, also include all the clones? Yes, no. it, it well no, it doesn't. That right. number doesn't include the Kongs. Okay, okay. Oh no, maybe it did. Because I, I thought I, can't remember I thought Donkey Kong was like the biggest, uh, most distributed hit ever, and that was something like, it was you know tens of thousands of machine, not much. Yeah, that surprised Donkey me. Donkey Kong, I don't even think made it past seventy five thousand. Yeah. yeah, that always surprised me. Miss Pac Man is actually the highest <laughs> uh, printed game in America. Well, I mean, when you when you think about the logistics of of arcade games, they don't they're not home machines. Yeah. You know, they don't go into individuals' homes. They go into public spaces, and lots of people come and communally dump their coins in them so people 75,000 machines spread across the yeah, u.s yeah, is yeah. a lot of machines yeah like, what about 300,000 spread across japan density. oh my god and, and so that, you that can look up pictures like of, yeah, yeah it is yeah. you can look up pictures of uh, people's shops where they cleared out their like little corner store isn't, and all they had was space and isn't japan machines. like that's like 300 million people right so 300,000 machine is like one for every hundred people yeah Every thousand, I think. Every thousand. We'll always have a turn. Whatever it is, it's like crazy. Decimals, I don't understand. Yeah. So yeah. That's nuts. That was Space Invaders. Please look up the old retronauts <laughs> I didn't mention uh, for more on it. Maybe they. Maybe we solved that. Yeah, ago. yeah. Go back in time five years. Did we solve the mystery? Help us out. So we also have Namco releasing their first arcade game, GB. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wait, wait, on Space Invaders, I have an update to Space Invaders. Oh, because please. Richie Knuckles just got the new high score, and it's 110,510. Okay. 
Okay, that's how, how much does that go back that's and forth? That's a lot of scores. It goes back and forth enough that somebody got it and it was in the news like mm. in the last two years. Do you know years. how long it takes to, to reach that score? Is it like pee break level I, or what? That I don't guy, think that guy was probably that like he probably started the last time the record was broken and played one game <laughs> continuously for get, two years. So he got over 100,000 and I, you get a, about 1,000 per level for clearing out everything. I think it's like 930 or something. Okay. So I don't know. There's probably a bucket probably involved. Minutes. Yeah, I don't know. That's not too long. No, no, it doesn't seem like uh, crazy, like Donkey Kong or mm. whatever. Yeah. So let's move on. So we have Namco's first arcade game, GB, which I didn't really know about until today, and that was a uh, that was created by Pac-Man's uh, Toru Awatani, and that was his first. Right, and it's a weird like pinball slash breakout game, and apparently he made two sequels to this the following year. Is that the one that has it's black and white, and then it has colored tape on the edges? Um, I think the, it was at California Extreme. The only video I saw, it looked like it was all in color, but, and it would look like it wasn't being captured through That's a camera. It, it was being emulated or something. Oh, well, then they probably because there was no color yeah. monitors yeah. at the time. Yeah, So they would have the emulation probably has a nice uh, color. Yeah, overlay. Galaxian was the first color machine, right? Yeah, and it's gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous mm. color. And we also have Konami releasing their first game, uh, <laughs> creatively Wait, they titled. They existed for five years before they made a video game. Uh, yeah, apparently, I guess, I guess that answers that funky. question. I, I looked these up. I, I, I right, like they could have started as a as a pinball manufacturer. They, yeah, they could have been just doing repairs or something like that. Probably, Maybe they made a hand of food cards. Yeah, they're probably making gumball machines. So, yeah, yeah, something like that. But I mean, uh, their first arcade game was called Block Game. Very creative. And I, I'm guessing I couldn't find. Uh, I thought it's a breakout. I, I think so. Yeah. I, could, I couldn't find a picture or a video of this online. But it, from reading about it, it seemed like it was breakout. The, yeah, the Japanese much. for that is probably Block Kuzushi, which right. like everyone has a game called Block Kuzushi. Uh, mm. Nintendo yeah. had one. That was like the delicious. secondary invader, Space Invaders boom, really. Yeah. And uh, I looked up, looking up information for this game, I found out that in some re-releases, they renamed Quarth into Block Game. For some reason, I don't know why, the, the two games seem very okay. different. Yeah. You know Quarth? It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, got, I got it here on my, my 3DS. Oh, you do? <laughs> virtual console. I didn't know they had that on virtual console. Indeed. That's cool. So we are Unless all I'm thinking done. of something else. What's that? Unless I'm thinking of something else. So okay. I have to look. Do a check. I have so, some other major games for 78. Oh, please do, Sam. Yeah, anyone wants to chimp in, please, um, please do. Space Wars from Cinematronics came out, which is a version of Space War. It's a really cool stand-up arcade machine. It's like Just it's, it's huge, and it has like a big blue. I think it, some of the same people worked on it. It has like blue Space Wars on the side, and both that and Space Invaders were highly influenced by Star Wars coming out the, the year before. Right. So like there was a lot of the games were based on this stuff then, and um, there's a uh, th- there's something. F- I don't know. Like it's it's just it's a cool game because it has a starship, a starship Enterprise little character and then like kind of a triangle and the triangle became like in everything it was in asteroids and everything like that. Oh okay. So it's cool. Um, yeah. So that's where that came from and it's a vector game by the way. Okay. Uh, so then there's also Atari Football which is a, a actually a pretty competent fun game and it's the X's and O's black and white Atari mm-hmm. game. It's it comes oh, yeah, in it like a stand up like it with this and that's the thing and it's a trackball. That's the best football game ever because it has the trackball. And and it's. It's completely not football. It's really fun. It's like a funny, like, you control. Like, how does That's the... also why it's the best football yeah, game. Yeah, exactly. How does the trackball <laughs> like work? Like, Tecmo Bowl. Ah. How does the trackball uh, track work? Tecmo works in, in, in a funny way in which you have to roll it as fast as possible and in that game to do good. Give yourself blood blisters and all over your hands. That's the one that really killed people's yeah. fingers. There's that, and then um, in Missile Command, they made a big trackball, and so that that is pinching ability you know they got it down for centipede you can't <laughs> hurt yourself on centipede yeah it's easy the other two kids are walking away with mangled fingers and mm-hmm. lawsuits abound yeah i had a uh, <laughs> i had a funny have a special flesh deposit <laughs> i had a funny quote about um space invaders too oh yeah uh taito executive this is from the this is taken from the book uh the ultimate video game 
history book or whatever it was. And you look at that paperback, you see every episode. Ultimate history video. Uh, Ultimate history video games. Stephen yeah. Kent. I was going to bring Kent. it in and hold it up, but I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Kent did it. Uh, so, Taito executives felt that the game's theme of defending space stations from extraterrestrial attack was too different from other games to appeal to U.S. audiences. Huh. Japanese executives do enjoy <laughs> underestimating the, yeah. the intellectual capacity and of just American audiences. Think of that description. The game's theme of defending space stations from extraterrestrial attack. What if well, we had that had not caught on here? Yeah. So we can Pretty get sure behind that's every game. the defending <laughs> Earth, but... Yeah. Will Americans like shooting aliens? Shouldn't we be unified they like tennis. against an alien that's what they like. America has, you know, the <laughs> like melting tennis. pot. They have the Statue of Liberty. They love right. aliens. They'll welcome them in. They'll be inviting. This was, wait, was this during the Carter administration? So so that, that made it so Taito wouldn't bring it over, and, and that meant that uh, Midway... Uh, kind of right. you know dealt with them and got it over here. Right. And every time you see a Space Invaders machine, it'll say Midway. I won't say Tidal anymore. So we have Quarth confirmation. I want to confirm that I do have Quarth. Can you see this? These <laughs> these twenty pixels on your monitor that you're looking at right Zoom, now. Zoom enhance. That's Quarth. Yeah. Do you also have twenty one A? Do you also have Marth in uh, Fire No. Uh, yes, I do have Marth. Well, I have fake Quarth Marth. And Marth. Marth plays X. Quarth. <laughs> yeah, he's a lame character in that game. He's a fake character. Yeah, I don't care. Somebody it. should make that Flash game with heaven already. Martha Quarth. Martha Quarth. Martha Quarth. Martha Quarth. Martha Quarth Brothers. Let's move on to 1983. Oh, I like 78. One crazy-ass year, folks. We Let have the go. beginning of the video game crash. How do I know? Because Wikipedia says so. Oh, right. well. And they're always right. That's a myth, too. No, but I, I'd Video like, games were really popular still in 1985. I'd like to ask um, you guys, uh, when do you think, is this, is this accurate, 1983? Is that like the brink of video game destruction? I'll tell you, the list of games I have here that came out in 1983 say that maybe for consoles. But not for arcades. Right, right. Okay. Okay. You yeah, could not I mean, pick a better year to be in an arcade. Right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, talk we are about, talking we about, talk the, about home. The, the, the video game crash. But of course, it's basically talking about the U.S. console market. Right. 1983 was a burgeoning boom year for invention in Japan on the, the gaming console scene. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. It was Famicom. strong for arcades. It was strong for PC games. Yeah, arcades games. were great. Um, it's just the the depth of losses for Atari, <laughs> like what they did to Time Warner's bottom line is staggering they lost billions of dollars back when the the dollar actually meant something remember <laughs> this was 30 years ago yeah, right like that was it was just brutal it was a bloodbath mm -hmm. and i mean we've talked a lot about this on several retronauts is there anything we need to add to this i mean we we pretty much know this the simple history is that like this happened and then nintendo kind of set things right by showing us a few years later like here's what you do with an, a home system and People like video games. Again. Well, everybody always makes fun of Pac-Man for Atari, right? But Miss Pac-Man came out in '83, and it was a little bit better. That's it's right. Terrible. Made by hackers. Mm -hmm. Pac-Man and ET, but those were only part of the problem. Those were those were easy. Uh, those are know, easy, easy targets. Yeah. I mean, the system had been out for what six years by that point. Mm -hmm. All systems suck after six years. Yeah. Look where yeah, we are now. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Look at the current gen. Yeah, but it's all shit. Said. Who wants to play yeah, I mean, those that? were those were high-profile failures, so but but the bigger problems with the the games console market at that point was just it was oversaturated. Right, you uh, can walk there into were a lot your, of competitors, uh... and you know, with the unlicensed games, uh, without quality control, 
there was just no way to know if you were spending $20, $30 on something worthwhile. Yeah. So people stopped spending and then the price bottomed out. No one could make a profit. Everyone, you know, retailers, developers, publishers alike were all just, you know, losing money hand over fist. Whether right? it was a crash or not, too, like arcades did decline after 83. I, I, I think that was definitely the peak. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the fad was waning. I think I think uh, the decline was uh, Dragon Lair's fault because you'd go to the arcade <laughs> and you'd hear <laughs> Dragon's Lair, and it was really annoying. Yeah, that it would keep me out of arcades. <laughs> Actually, no, it did. It made me want to play it like crazy. Fifty cents. I, I would look at it and then I would watch people play it and say, "Oh, that is yeah." Look you have to actually fun. play it and then you go, "Yeah." So what else do we have going on here? Uh, one new game console, believe it or not, in the in this mess. The Oric <laughs> One, released only in Great Britain. Wait, are you talking about 1983? Yes. Another German. We're talking about another German you're not, console. You're, are British you taking console? into account Japan at all? I, I was I was going to move on to that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Don't ruin the surprise, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy yes, looked so disgusted one right then. Console in 1983. I was you like jackals. I was going to say except for three big ones. Well, let's move on. Let's go on to this Oric thing. I'm sorry if you're in Europe and you had this thing, or in, I guess it's only in Great Britain. Uh, it mostly fired on adventure games from what I read, and um, that's basically all I can tell you about Made it. Made by, like, three guys in a garage in, I don't know, Camden or something. Yeah. Uh, not very notable. It was Played notable. by 100 people. Notable enough to be featured in this book, but, I mean, if you have one or had one, write in, let us know what it was like. But for now, we're going to move on to three big systems of 1983. June 1983. Yep. We have the Nintendo's Famicom, uh, Sega's SG-1000, which would eventually evolve into the Master System, and the MSX, which today I just yeah. discovered is named after Microsoft. Mm, Holy crap. Not really. What? No. Microsoft Extended Basic. Uh, actually, I think it's more like machines for software extendability. There oh, was man. a whole debate about what it really oh. means, but apparently that's what the creator of the standard that's like meant. The, I what see. IGN means. Nobody really knows. Hmm. Imagine we, games network. work. It no, was sort of a joint. I mean, an MSX. Right. We, we have to say Microsoft was involved, at, at least with uh, the operating system. Yeah, yeah. Like Sort of like we're talking about, Jeremy and I, the... Uh, Windows CE for the Dreamcast. Right. It was sort well, of like that thing. Yeah, Microsoft basically made like the MSX Basic for it. But like in terms of developing the standard or whatever, that was mostly ASCII because it was really a joint thing between ASCII and Microsoft. Right. So, I, so, I, I, I explained this to you. Right. I understand. So what did the Famicom do for video me. games, fellas? What can we say about the Famicom? the Famicom? There was an entire Retronauts episode about the Famicom. Didn't do much in 1983. Yeah. Bunch of arcade uh, it got a recall in 1983 because it was badly made. Have catching, you on, catching on fire. A, have you ever seen a non-recalled one? Like, is there a mm -hmm. good way to identify those? I have I, no I was idea. curious about it. Probably because of the way it's, like, half-melted. That doesn't work. I don't know. Uh, well, I, I would like one. It'd be cool to have a first-gen. I'm sure that not every system that was recalled was recalled, like, sent back. So mm -hmm. I'm sure there are some floating around. But yeah. I, I honestly I don't know if they're... Probably. I don't, I don't know if there are any know hardware if you revisions. know how to figure out... I feel like it'd be harder to find one of those Famicom. early, early Famicoms. It's really they hard made, to they find made an so early, many. early copy of any NES game. Hmm. It's very identifiable, too. There's there's little rules about... And I think the NES itself, too, right? You can identify the, the ROB boxes from... Um, <laughs> I don't fucking know. You don't know. <laughs> you're, you're, you're the crazier one here. Whoa. Well, we're having a meek off and a crazy off yeah, later? I, okay. <laughs> So yes, uh, I mean, we already can say what the Famicom did for video games. It didn't uh, initially, I guess, uh, how impressive was it to Japanese gamers in 1983? I mean, you can there, play Popeye on it. There it was, was some. It was a decently impressive piece of machine. Right. I, mean, I mean, it was it was very similar to the ColecoVision, but slightly more powerful. And the ColecoVision right. never really had much traction over there. The ColecoVision was actually about a year old by the time uh, the Famicom came out. So. You know, compared to what they had at the time, like the Atari 2600 even didn't have much traction over there. So yeah, 
I think I think it it you know it did well for itself. And when you compare it to the machines that it was released with contemporaneously, the SG one thousand and the MSX, um, technically it was you know it was more impressive. The MSX was more expandable, extensible because it was also a computer. Right. But the the hardware was more limited in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, the NES could do scrolling. I guess not initially, but yeah, they eventually were, figured it out. I don't right. remember what the first NES ice game climbers? to have scrolling was. Was that Ice Climber? It might have been. So yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. But it didn't come so out that was like a year. Yeah, that was a year later. Yeah, but like the Famicom was pretty much made to for Donkey Kong, right? I mean, I remember from yeah, the Iwata Ask well. interview. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> it was it was the benchmark at the time. Go ahead and compare it to the tar- twenty six hundred version and tell me that or it didn't the do Donkey Kong version, well. Which everybody you know said was so much right. better. That was like the benchmark uh, no, over looked, here. It looks good. Bit. It was the wrong width and it doesn't have a level and the levels don't play in the right order. But uh, they did it. But I mean, that's the nature of console. The sound is really good. Console conversions of arcade games in in that era. Yeah. Although then uh, there was this flip flop in which like Contra was much better at home than it was in the arcade. Yeah, but in that case, it wasn't because of the fidelity. It was because of you know design Program, tweaks yeah. and enhancements. And you know, like you're, you're talking four or five years after the Famicom's debut, at which point people started to kind of catch on to the fact that you know arcade machines are you know the technology there is grossly outstripping <laughs> what we have available at home. So instead of trying to replicate arcade experiences badly let's enhance the arcade experience for something that's more palatable to home yeah. users there's no system though has ever had a, a game that looks like clue clue land and then a game that looks like super mario brothers 3 like in the in that that difference in technology and i don't know life cycle perfect dark zero to halo 4 is uh <laughs> that's a good one uh, I don't know. Well, how about this? How about uh, Space Invaders to Double Dragon? Sorry, <laughs> <Atari. laughs> yeah. It's just, it's amazing what what the Famicom had from day one that people didn't know it had. I, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Well, and a lot of those things it didn't have day one because they were the chips weren't, weren't right. They were extended the through the software, you know, through not not software, but uh, hardware built into the cartridges, which is something that seems very unique these and days because you can't that, do right? that with with contemporary hardware. That was, that was all planned, right? To, to make the, the cartridge. I don't know that it was. Uh, I, don't, I don't think that they sat down at the beginning and hacks. said, you know, at some point in the future, people are going to want to make a Castlevania game with extra sound channels <laughs> and better animation. I wonder, so though, let's be sure to put the hooks in there. I think... You open up, I you, think you turn over your just, NES, and you have your expansion ports. Like, they had plans They had plans, they had plans but I, that, those plans didn't really come to fruition. I mean, yeah, there's the Famicom disk system, but a lot of the, the intended things I don't think ever really quite developed and... Yeah, I I don't think that the the cartridge expandability was really conceived of at the the moment of launch. Well, I think it it's something brilliant. that someone figured out. It was a really clever hack, and you know they ran with it, and it you know it's made the system viable for much longer than it ever should have been. Ten years, twelve years, eleven years, something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, if you count the Japan to Japan, then I right. guess it would be. You know, it was nineteen eighty three to nineteen ninety four. Yeah. Yeah. Warriors and Wars. we also have, I didn't no. want to... Uh, Adventure Island 4. Oh, yeah, of Ooh. course. Yeah. Great game. So I, I didn't want to leave our other systems in the dust. We had the SG-1000. Uh, Jeremy, you have some experience with this, don't you? Uh, a little bit. I've, I've never really played an SG-1000 itself, but um, of the three machines released that month, it was definitely the least impressive. It's... It felt very, very like a step behind the Famicom. It's kind of shockingly primitive for what you, I guess, you walk into with certain expectations, you know, hearing that it was released the same time as the Famicom, and then you see what it is. There's no scrolling. It's... Yeah, the, um, the, a lot of the hardware and visual limitations remind me a lot of, uh, you know, like British microcomputers of the same era, 
um, you know, very kind of I don't know. The colors in the games kind of look are very sort limited of color palette. Yeah. Um, very limited number of colors available on screen at once. Uh, as you said, no, no, no scrolling. Yeah, uh, just flip style. Try playing Wonder Boy with that. I have, <laughs> and it's not fun. A snail will just ambush you when you hit that second screen. Yeah, so you know that 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 sort of hardware design was still fairly common back then, but um, Sega very quickly iterated on the SG one thousand with a bunch of different computer expansions. Yeah, there are several, and yeah, it's it's a very confusing mess. Uh, but eventually. It evolved, metamorphosed into the Sega Mark III, which we call the Master System, and that was, I, I personally think, a much more impressive piece of hardware than the Famicom. It says here there were seven different. Uh, that sounds about right. Variants, and the Master System was 1987, and there was a Master System II in 1990. Uh, the Master System's U.S. release was supposedly 87. I, I thought it came out here in 86, mm. but the Mark III was before that. I'm pretty sure the Mark III was 1985. I have yeah, 85, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, yes. I mean, at that point, you know, Sega's hardware had exceeded the the capabilities of Nintendo's, but Nintendo, for whatever reason, had really, like, by the, by 1985, had a grip on the Japanese market. Right, and they would not let go. They had team, teams of lawyers. Yeah. Teams, so, of, teams of Hiroshi Yamauchi. Yeah, who needs lawyers when you've got your own attack dog president? So, <laughs> we also have the MSX, and I think we need right. an entire episode about this damn thing, because sure. there's more to talk about than just the mention, because... There were 20, more than 20 models, and this thing well, seems to have... Um, three, three, four generations. What's that? Four generations. Right, I'm just talking and about so, like, yeah, over yeah, yeah. the course of its life. Yeah, never mind. Right. It's okay. Don't worry, right? <laughs> Accidental dickness. <laughs> Accidental dickishness. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, I, I think that, I don't know. I mean, it didn't have much of a life here. That doesn't mean it's not important to talk about. That means we don't immediately know a lot about it, just from you know being around it. Was it available at all in the United States? I believe it was. Very, um, very briefly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The MSX... Um, if I'm not mistaken, the MSX model was actually very similar to what would happen later with the 3DO. Uh, That's what it reminded me of. It was kind of, of. like uh, a hardware standard that people could license yeah. and develop on their own. Am I am I thinking right here, Ray? Yeah, yeah, you are. Okay. Yeah, there was like a Gold Star um, 3DO, a Panasonic 3DO. Like the original technology was based on like one SpectraVision computer in like the U.S., but never really officially came out here. It was more of a Japan and... Uh, UK, other parts of Europe, kind of thing. Probably Brazil uh, too. Yeah, yeah, for and sure. It's it's pretty amazing how certain publishers seem to latch onto this more so than the NES, like Konami, mm-hmm. um, for instance. I mean, Metal Gear started on the MSX. So did games like Snatcher. Uh, can we think of anything right. else? Well, uh, Castlevania came out simultaneously on MES. Oh, you're NES right. Yeah, and MSX are near simultaneously, but they were two different games. Did Konami have a problem with Nintendo at that at that point in time? No, or I think they were, they just, were uh... just exploring their options. Okay, what's the like, MSX Castlevania like? Um, it looks kind of like a more, uh, like a slightly more bland version of the, the NES Castlevania game. So it's different in its like capabilities and it's uh, well, different in, like, it, like the, the play mechanics are really similar. Um, you know, you jump, you whip, like Simon looks the same. The enemies look very familiar. Mm-hmm. The, the environments look very similar. Uh, the overall like progression of the, the game, like where you go from the entrance to, uh, you know the kind of the interior to the the parapets on top, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, underground. Um, that's all very similar, but the levels and you know in, in NES Castlevania, it's like start to finish. You go from the beginning to the end, straight up action. And the MSX version, it's actually very not like that. It's actually it reminds me a lot of um, you know going back to the British microcomputers games like Jet Set Willy or something, where it's kind of um, small you know stages that are. Um, screen by screen scrolling, you know, no smooth scrolling, 
and they're kind of like Mobius strips where you can kind of keep cycling through. They're, they're not entirely linear, hmm. and each stage is sort of a quest to collect money and find a merchant and buy the items you need to get to the next oh, stage. Oh, so that kind of influenced Castlevania too. Right. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I, th- I think you can draw a line from, from Castlevania on MSX to Castlevania 2. But it's a it's a weird game. It's it's actually I don't think it's nearly as good as DNA's game, but it's it's interesting because it does show kind of the I think the design thinking and philosophy differences between the NES and the MSX. Like people just approached software development in different ways mm-hmm. based on the limitations and capabilities of those those yeah. machines. And I, I think Castlevania is really valuable because you can see that in these like simultaneously developed games by two teams that clearly were working close together given all the visual similarities and mechanical similarities, mm-hmm. but the the outcome was radically different. Um, so if you want to get a sense of you know the differences between NES and MXX, just like their capabilities and what kind of games it's they were comparison. best for, play those two games and, and yeah. you'll get your you'll get your sensation right there. And there was an MSX two eventually that did have scrolling, am I right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where Metal yeah. Gear 2 was on. Yeah, but it was like once they got over the scrolling hump, it was kind of too late because it was pretty a late. lot of developers yeah. moving over to the consoles and things like that. And, you know, just the PC market there in general is just kind of changing. But yeah, um, you would you would see a lot of um a lot of big games like Dragon games Quest. you might be surprised Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy both had MSX versions. But they never got beyond the first installment with those, right? Dragon Quest 2. Oh, Dragon Quest really? 2. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Nice. 1 and 2. But they were late ports, mm. which is the case also with Snatcher. It was like a late port because the original was on a PC ninety eight. You're right, thank you, Ray. So yeah, that happened mm. a lot. But I mean, it's the thing about you know we were talking about the so called crash, which is you know more of a home console dedicated thing. But you know, all over the world, you know, computers were still kind of pushing ahead, and you had things like the Commodore sixty four, which is kind of a good analog to the MSX over here. I think mm-hmm. that. A computer that was low-powered quickly became low-powered, but sort of grew its legacy as like a games machine. And I think that pretty much what happened. Piracy machine. Too. Well, that too. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think probably the the UK equivalent would be the Spectrum. Yeah. So there was that sort of culture outside of I guess what we think of the mainstream. I guess because it's you know it's so much easier to go back and find old consoles, old console games to emulate them to. Uh, find the documentation for them than it is for the the kind of wild west that the Commodore sixty four was. Right. So much but, undocumented. Yeah. I this guess that's another thing. Knockoff games. I guess that's another good thing about the MSX that a lot of games came out on ROM cartridges. Like that was the big thing there. It had, yeah. Yeah. They all had two uh, ROM cartridge slots, and uh, eventually more games did come out on disc. But you know, there's plenty of uh, cartridges out there too, and that really helped a lot. Unfortunately, we do have to move on. I would like to do an MSX episode at some point. I would like to do that, so stay tuned. Hopefully, we'll get that out at some point. Uh, two big lawsuits happened in 1983. The MCA Universal slash Nintendo lawsuit over Donkey Kong. Uh, that shook out. Uh, Howard, <laughs> wait, Howard Lincoln, Howard right? Lincoln. There are two Howards yeah. in Nintendo. Yeah. Do not get them confused, people. They're very different people. <laughs> uh, apparently, uh, I guess Universal in the past had cited that King Kong was in the public domain in order to remake it in the 70s without having to pay anyone. And that is the same precedent that uh, Howard Phillips cited in order to get Nintendo off the hook for their Donkey Kong game. Is that correct? Does that yeah. sound right to everybody? Did you mean yep. Lincoln? What's that? Did I say Phillips? Yep. God damn it. I always do that. <laughs> Even when I met him, I was like, wait, Phillips Lincoln, Phillips Lincoln. Jesus, no, <laughs> stop. Another um, lawsuit, Atari sues Coleco for making an adapter that allowed people to play VCS games yeah. on Coleco Vision. 
And Atari loses. Yeah. Atari would... lost a lot of those lawsuits. Yeah, yeah they lost uh, the Activision suit also. You that think would've... that was just because of the ignorance of the pu- general public as to what these things were? Right. I mean, that something like that would never happen. Because now. I was like, if if uh, if let's say Nintendo released a thing for the Vita that allowed you to play 3DS games in the Vita, people yeah. would be killed. Right. There would right. be blood in the streets. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Legally speaking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, fingers would be cut off. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. I think I think a lot of that is also because back then, machines were so much simpler. Yeah. And it was... Right. Reverse engineering was really just a matter of, uh, you know, looking at the hardware, looking at the components. Like you said, you know, um, it wasn't like printed chips and, and things like that. So the hardware was much, much easier to just completely reproduce with off-the-shelf parts. You, you couldn't do that now. Like, you couldn't play Vita games on 3DS because, you know, even if the 3DS were powerful enough to do that, yeah. the, it's so reliant on operating systems and software, and that is, much more, that is much more protected by copyright right. than just configurations right. of, of chips. Uh, chips. The ruling not, was basically... Chips, um, resistors, resistors and transistors and circuits. The, the ruling was like, okay, you used your own parts, so you're free to go. You're, it's, it wasn't illegal. You didn't, you didn't use any of their parts for it. Yeah, so, I mean, that wouldn't fly today, but I, I, I do think that... It's more a sign of the nature, the simplicity of the medium at that point than it is like the ignorance of the legal system. Um, and it, I think it kind of was a sign of the video game crash because it's like, I want to play this, like, these truckloads of games that are out for this other thing too, you know? Yeah. So we have a lot of game releases. Well, let's go through them pretty quick. Wait, hold we... on. I have, I have some language from the decision of that Donkey Kong Uh-oh. versus Nintendo. <laughs> is it harsh? The, sorry. Wow. The... Read it in your judge, judge judgely voice. Well, it's funny voice. because so, so it, just really Read quick, it like Judge Whitey. When, <laughs> that, when that decision was, was made, it, it established that Donkey Kong is a unique property for Nintendo. That was like the outcome of that decision. Okay, yeah. So Tiger Toys was making a King Kong game that was exactly like Donkey Kong. So then Nintendo uh, had a separate suit. Uh, in which they won against Tiger. That's right. I forgot about that little wrinkle in the story. Yeah, it's like so they established Donkey Kong as being their own thing, and there's like so they describe Donkey Kong in the decision by saying, um, "While climbing up ladders, while complete or broken, and picking up prizes, umbrellas and purses to rescue the fair-haired, whether knotted or pigtailed, hostage from the gorilla, is <laughs> protractable against Universal and its licensees." Wait a minute, gorilla? He's an ape. It's good stuff. Yeah. Thank you, Sam. Yeah, he is an ape. A great ape. Mm-hmm. The so greatest. the greatest tape of all time. <laughs> Let's move on to our uh, game releases of 1983. Mario Brothers in the arcade, one of the first and yeah. best uh, co-op games, or even, even the co-op slash competitive, depending on how you wanted to play. Right? Wizard Mario, of War. I Wizard where of War and Mario Brothers are are you? And that was a Car 54. Where are you? Parody for all you kids out there, right? <laughs> well, no, it's the commercial. Well, I know, but they were, they no. were doing the parody yeah, yeah, of the, were, that theme song. Up the plumbing, da, 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 da. Maybe I'll throw that in here. Mario, or maybe I won't, because Sam did a great job, and he's got a mustache, so who, who needs it? Uh, we also have Dragon Slayer. Dragon Slayer, an awesome pun that I only just discovered a few years ago. Uh, Star Wait, did Wars. did you say Dragon Slayer or Dragon Slayer? It is a pun, Dragon Slayer. Okay. Yeah. Because Dragon Slayer is that's a, a game. That's a Falcon, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that was like a year later, though. Star Wars, the arcade game. Well, for, lots well of alongside fans of that. Dragon Slayer was Space Ace and Cliffhanger also both came out. Ooh. Which are two other amazing Cliffhanger was what? Uh, Castle of Castle of Caliostro. Caliostro. Yep. That's nice. a beautiful game. I've oh. never seen that. I really want to play it. Oh my God, it's on iPhone. Not that I... Oh, it yeah. is? Mm-hmm. Wow. They did a really crazy port. That's cool. Uh-huh. Nope. Cool. Cliffhanger. I hate those games. <laughs> Me too, but I love Castle They're of Cagliostro, yes. so it's kind of a trade-off. Secretly influential game came out in 1983, well, Ultima 3 Exodus, which is basically the yeah. pattern for all Japanese RPGs. <laughs> yeah. How is that secretly? I, I think I, that's pretty well established I find that people point. are like, oh, the most influential RPGs of all time are Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy. Like, no. <laughs> you have to go back a little further. I find people sort of At stop least say Wizard. Well, I mean, yeah. 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 Zork? 
I mean, yeah. if you if I were to say that, you could slap me, and I'd I'd, I'd be like, okay, I wasn't you. Well, I, mean, I was the wrong. When people like treat Dragon Quest as the beginning of RPGs, you just kind of stop paying attention to them because that's they don't know what they're talking about. That's why we don't have any friends. I, I find that's like... <laughs> I find that, that is kind of the winnowing rod. Are you a worthwhile person to talk to? Wow. Jeremy draws sure. a line in the oh. sand. Works for me. Works for me. All right. And we can't just gloss over Star Wars, the greatest Star Wars game ever made. Yeah. Uh, Atari wait. Star Wars, the Vector Star Wars. Trying to think. People, people like those Dark Forces. They like those X-Wings. Dark Forces was quite good. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think you can get a better arcade experience in that game. It's, it's absolutely That's phenomenal. true. It even I, had so amazing. perfectly sampled voices telling you to use the full It has good sampling. It has a great sequel, Empire Strikes Back, and Vector also. The one after that, Jedi, is terrible. I but did like isometric, the... Um, isometric speeder bike racing. What could Ewoks. possibly go wrong? That like, actually came out before Empire, too. Yep. I did like the Sega version of that. That came out like 99 yeah, the or 98. 30, the I, I played it at Las game? Vegas on a broken-ass machine, and it still yeah. was pretty fun. Oh, that game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Star, Wars Star Wars Trilogy. trilogy? That's very yeah, yeah. But it's fun. It's a fun game. I like that. I mean, yeah, I know no, it's a different the, game. Atari Star Wars is just a gorgeous vector. Uh, oh, yeah. I played it. Also, Atari Star Wars does not have a Hoth level. I don't think it's a coincidence that we all regard that as the best Star Wars game. Uh, mm-hmm. Actually, Empire has a hoth level. <laughs> Take that, fantastic. Snow Planets. You can fly through the legs. You can. It's actually open world, so you can kind of go around and loop around them. It's really amazing. Star all Fox. drawn with math. Math? I don't like that oh, stuff. Yeah, that stuff. Math is hard. <laughs> Let's move on to our last thing of 1983. Ultimate Play the Game. This dumbest name yeah. for a company? What? Ultimate Play the Game? It's like Funko Land. It's like the stupidest but, name ever. But then they became another stupid name, Rare Coin It. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where they were just rare. Well, they were rare yeah, and then rare, rare wear, right? Rare coin it, then rare, yeah, rare wear. Yeah. Well, rare anyways, they released... Uh, and then connect guys. Yeah. They released their first game, Jetpack, which saw a remake on Xbox Live that Arcade cool, remake. in uh, 2007, I want to say. It was Sounds a really right. early Xbox Yeah, I know uh, it was brought up on a Retronauts like a zillion years ago. <laughs> so check that out, please. And uh, we'll continue to 1988 after this brief message. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Bob Mackey, possibly interrupting myself with an important loyalty oath for you Retronauts listeners. Now, I'm going to ask you several questions, and I want you to answer yes or no to all of them. So, number one, have you followed us on Twitter at Retronauts? Number two, have you checked out the Retronauts blog at oneupblogs.com slash Retronauts or Retronauts.com spelled R-E-T-R-O-K-N-O-T-S dot com? I'll have you know that we do a blog post for every episode, and there's all kinds of other cool stuff on there related to classic gaming. Number three, have you left us a review on the iTunes Music Store? Number four, have you started talking about us on the message board of your choice? Have you alerted your friends, your family, your neighbors, your pets to the glory and joy of Retronauts? Well, if you answer no to any of these questions, you need to rectify this immediately, Mr. or Miss. And if you do, I'll be extremely happy and the show can continue as planned. So, without further ado, let's get back to the program. So we're back to 1988, and yeah. I think we can safely say that Nintendo had conquered America by this point. Yeah. Plus, uh, I mean, we could do a whole, ep- whole episode on 88. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, tons of stuff. I want to do an entire sh- episode. About- I feel like most of Retro Nuts has been about 1988. <laughs> I think, like, yeah. if, if you take yeah. a sample, it's like about 30% of the episodes. But um, it's what I last remember. 88. <laughs> to say that Nintendo conquered America, I think the proof is that this is the first issue of Nintendo Power, the first bi-monthly issue. Eventually, we become monthly. It's, it seems strange to. That in the 80s, there would not be enough Nintendo news to fill an entire month's worth of magazine. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah, July, June, July, or maybe it was July, August. I don't, I don't think that was it why was that July, magazine August. came out so infrequently. Because there were games they could have covered and they didn't. Mm. The problem was they didn't have enough people to draw those like squiggly looking mm. counselor corner dudes. Oh, 
Like that, that, that. I those thought the guys... counselor corner were just guys with mullets and uh, no, bad no, mustaches. No, oh, there was like the the power. You're talking about Pack Watch. Yeah, it's Pack Watch. That's yeah, it. yeah. The guy who kind of looked like you know, um, um, Fido we... Dido with a big nose. Yeah. IGN did a fake Nintendo Power at one point, and Scott Bromley did every single drawing in it. He did those like with like colored pencils, and then they would like color copy them, and they it just came out amazing. Like, he just did it so well. I gotta say, like, I don't know if that, for that if those designs have aged well, but they're just fascinating to look at. Still, oh, I can go back to those scans. Oh, no, Nintendo Power Magazine was never well designed. I felt like in the in the tradition of Japanese magazines, just like cramming as much information as possible into like every space of the page. I mean, they were designed by a Japanese design firm, right? Yeah, uh, I remember reading in probably around 1989 or so in a like a mainstream news magazine. I was at a barber shop waiting for a haircut, and I started flipping through it, and I found an article on video game magazines in this like mainstream news magazine it was newsweek or time or something i don't remember what but uh it was comparing the different video game magazines and it referred to nintendo power's design as peanut butter and jelly layout and that's the only thing i remember about that article but that <laughs> that term stuck with me because it's so evocative and so perfect it's like yeah. kid friendly and completely messy and sticky yeah but but yet appealing in a sort of like stupid way yeah yeah, yeah. it's like tiger beat <laughs> Tiger Beat for nerds. Mm-hmm. Although so Tiger exactly. Beat had Bill Gates on the cover, didn't it? I don't think so. Mm, I don't know about that. It had a lot of monkeys on the cover. All right. I'm <laughs> there was, a, about there the was a young Bill Gates in Tiger Beat or some other magazine. Is that the one where he's like now. up on a desk yeah, and all sultry? Yeah, he's looking sexy. Okay. It's sexy. Oh, so yeah, sexy that was the first Clinton. issue of Nintendo Power, Bill which Gates, uh, fortunately just ended its run in December. So they didn't actually make it to 25 years, unfortunately. But hey, we like Nintendo Power, right, guys? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was they're great. Incredibly influential in all our careers, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, here it is on Snopes. Okay. <laughs> I am Real photos, inaccurate description. He was not... What, what was that a picture for? These images are actually publicity photos taken of the then 30-year-old Bill, Bill Gates, coincident with the initial release of Microsoft Windows in 1985. Unpopular uh, Science yeah. magazine. They were not They were not in Teen Beat. Mm. Disappointed. I'm disappointed. I, I feel weird if a 30-year-old guy was in Teen Beat. <laughs> <laughs> what if he was a monkey? Uh, I think that's safe. Monkeys don't age. They fade away, right? Bubbles, bubbles. Know. They've been dying away. one by one recently. Yes, that's true. And on that tragic note, uh, <laughs> let's see what else happened in 1988. Okay, um, so wait, wait. Yes. I'm looking at these photos, and they are... These are official Microsoft publicity documents. Right. I, I see. <laughs> yeah, there's some cool mom jeans. We'll try there, to throw this picture up on the... Some, uh, there's some real come-hither attitude going on in there. It's more like I just took a giant bong rip and uh, this, this TV is <laughs> supporting my weight. He was is this the, for an MSX The Ellen Feiss of Microsoft? Yeah. Allegedly. I can't get sued. There we go. I don't want... <laughs> Yeah, we'll put this horrifying picture up somewhere for you guys, uh, maybe in the video itself. But Possibly we'll tape it to the inside of your eyelids and you'll never escape. In, in, in other horrifying news, 1988, the Mega Drive is released. Bum, bum, bum. I'm just kidding. There's sort of a history Whoa, of retronauts. It's like the ghost of Chris Kohler walked over yeah. my grave. Well, I just got to chill, guys. <laughs> what happened? Uh, this is in Japan only, and it was mostly arcade ports, and they sort of um, yep. kind of built their system around that. Did you explain what the Mega Drive is? It is the Genesis, oh, okay. or the Jenny, if you're from over no, there. No, it's not. It's just oh, the Genesis. Okay. Yeah. The Jenny. No. British nicknames um, are the worst. Yeah. Wow. They come up with stuff like the Jenny. For some reason, they think that Jez is a good nick- or a good abbreviation for <laughs> Jeremy. Yeah. Jez? I hear that on, I mean, you hear that on Peep Show. Jez or Jezza Parish, and I'm like, no. Jez. No. What's, you, and what's the deal with that Z your thing? Your island is inbred. What's wrong with you? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Holy that, it's just a, it's a defensive um, mechanism. I get mean when I'm... Too. We have like movies and cookies. Those are stupid. The the biscuits are aren't cookies. Let's let's draw the line in the sand here, people. Biscuits are not cookies. Name works better if you had a huge mullet, too. So. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, uh, what do I have to say about the Genesis uh, or the Mega Drive's release in Japan? Sort of like, uh, was it really that important in Japan? Did it make it waves? Did it have altered? Beast? It was an SBD, silent but deadly. Okay. Uh, I know it launched with like uh, Altered Beast. Um, it did launch with Altered Beast. Maybe Altered Beast in was here. later. Here it here. did. Yeah, I know there were a lot of um, like Blue Thunder or something like that. Thunderblade. Thunderblade. Sorry, it was <laughs> a ripoff of Blue Thunder. Yeah. When you say arcade ports, do you mean of the Golden Axe era? Yeah, of Se- like Sega arcade or, yeah, ports. Yeah, some of the, of the mid- super mid- scale stuff. Yeah, like uh, Space Harrier stuff like that. Space Harrier was a launch. Or- I believe so. Space Harrier Two. Two. Yeah. 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 Launch game. How's that look? Bad. Space Harrier. <laughs> You can you can play it on Virtual Console and, and weep. Really? Yeah. Look okay. upon their work. You can also play just Space Harrier. It's not as bad as the Master System version, console. but um, it's not ideal. Oh, boy. But yeah, I think but there's maybe, a lot of shooters in that. That's what happens right when you make a exclusive, quote unquote, sequel to something when it's still kind of early. In the yeah. Game. Like instead of the Famicom launch with Donkey Kong Two. Is it better or, or worse than Afterburner Three? Uh, uh, better. Uh-huh. I'll say better. Ray kind of gagged yeah. a little bit. He's like, threw up a just little. had to process. <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, there's not much more to say about that. I think uh, it'd be more important later because it was just yeah. you know, it just it's came out. Pretty early for yeah. a 16-bit system. It is yeah. 1988. Well, um, was 87 the, the PC uh, engine launched PC? in 87? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you can argue whether or not that was a 16-bit system. But... Do the math. <laughs> yeah, but it looked 16-bit. Yeah. That's the important thing. It, was it, had, a huge, it had huge sprites. And nice colors. That's, Vigilante looks so 16. much better than Super Mario Brothers, right. and that's how they pit, pitch their advertisements. Yeah. Bonk. That's all I'll say. Yeah. Also, we have the a British lot of... don't like the bonk. word bonk, by the way. What? Is that some filthy slang? Yes. Okay. Uh-oh. Sort of like Bender. It's sexual Congress. Oh, man. Bender? Bender is, uh, is a, ho- a homophobic slur in oh, Britain. Really? No yeah. kidding. Oh, I didn't know that. I, f- Boy, I find that's it strange. For Futurama fans. I find it strange. I didn't think about that. Like, how's this going to sell in, in Britain? Yeah. What a bunch of jazzes. <laughs> also, it's it's not polite to talk about gypsies there. That's true. That's that's a slur too. Mm-hmm. They're the Roma. Yeah. Romani. Romani. Thank you. Uh, so let's move on to games released. Write <laughs> in and tell us more of your. This uh, is British our um, this is our make you awkward corner. <laughs> tell us so, more of your favorite British euphemisms. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have Metal Gear for the NES, 1988. Uh, Super Mario Brothers awesome. 2 for the NES, 1988. Awesome. Get, get this, guys. Mario 3, 1988. Yeah, Screw you, crazy. Japan. Yeah, you made well, us wait two years for that. That's brutal. There's, they didn't even change it. They just made it harder or easier. Sorry. They kind of made us wait for Mario 2 and Zelda 2, too, because there was a shortage or at least that, You're right. that mania about those two games when they came mm-hmm. out. In fact, Zelda Christmas. 2 uh, was released almost in 1986 in Japan. It was early January 1987. Here it was late 1988, December. So that's yeah. a huge time to wait for Zelda. Um, yeah. And it was supposed to come out much, much sooner in the U.S. I remember, I think it was like set for June 88. And uh, I, you know, back then there was only a little bit of information about that kind of thing. Um, so I had to go by what Nintendo Power said. And every month Nintendo Power, Nintendo's uh, uh, official fun club newsletter, actually, at that point, uh, said, hey, Zelda 2 is coming out now. So, like, once a week, I would call around to all the department stores and electronic shops in town. Be like, do you guys have Zelda 2? Yeah. Start the campaign no. of annoying your parents immediately. Right. Roll it out. And I didn't believe them, so I'd be like, Mom, can you take me over to Montgomery Wards? Because I know they have this game. They didn't. <laughs> so we also have um, the first Gold Box game, Pool of Radiance. I have no familiarity oh. with this, but I thought I'd mention it just because I know there's some fans out there. It's, it's a very important RPG series. I don't know how well it would hold up now, but in the day, it was uh, a very, very good RPG. Yeah. And we also have the first Madden football game. And I believe the newest Madden is going, just going to be called Madden 25 or something crazy yeah. like that. Yeah. 
Just like, uh, we've given up. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> we're we're, we're getting ahead Mario Kart 12 too. years to What's 2025. That? Yeah. Oh my god, it's like going to be so, like uh, Bill and Beer's Combat Football. Oh boy. Mm. Yeah. Look at everybody. I, has anybody ever seen that first Madden? I haven't Did seen it. Yeah, it was a good, briefly, it was, it was like, a yeah. hot seller, which is funny to think about. It has some relationship to Joe Montana football, doesn't it? There's like some weird... Joe Montana football is awesome. Shut your mouth. Okay. No, I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm saying that there's some kind of relationship between the licensing or the development of those games. It was like, yeah, the developers of Joe Montana, I think, made Madden, the first Madden for Genesis as well. That's right. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. I, know, I think I you're right about that, and I think it was one of the, it was a big deal because John Madden consulted on the game right. or did something with it, and his gigantic body was on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't he like 90 years old? How can he be that he, fat and that old? I like Pac-Man. <laughs> Turduckins, etc. He et brought in for the entire dev team. Yeah, I don't know. I think if if you're pushing 90 or whatever, you should not be eating three kinds of meat for one meal. Of all, is, is he still alive? He's still alive. Yeah, yeah. can you believe it? Does he do Listen, announcing on those games anymore? Turducken is just cordon bleu for people who only like poultry. Yeah. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon my ignorance. Uh, now we're going to mention Alf. Ready? Get ready. Willie! Oh. There you go. Okay, Take so. me, Alf, to the bolt game. Oh, my God. Uh, by the way, uh, Sam's Sam's me on his 3DS is Alf. Yeah. A startlingly accurate. Do Alf. you have all of Alf on DVD? Oh, I hate that show. Okay. You, you just like uh, <laughs> Alf as a, as a point of irony? I don't even know. I just made do, it really do good. You like, do you like yeah. the cartoon? So, yeah, that cartoon's crazy. The cartoon was great. It was so... Yeah. Rhonda! It's weird. That wife? No, maybe that's not it. It was, it was almost as weird. More names. It was almost as weird as the Punky Brewster cartoon, yeah. which also went like in a bizarre fantasy direction, except with Alpha made sense because he was an alien. Punky Brewster. Well, that's where he came there from. was no like, magic. An orphan kid. Why was she in Punky. like Leprechaun Land? Yeah, they couldn't have done Mel Mac in a good way in live action, so they found a way to do it in comic books. And well, cartoon. I mean, eventually we got Farscape, so. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just kind of look at the little. Time uh, pop. No, I look at the little. Uh, the little deposed emperor dude from from farscape i can't remember his name as, as basically alf but oh, <laughs> the melbeck okay. civilization has fallen mm-hmm. so yes why am i talking about elf coleco went out of business awesome. folks oh, i mean you don't need a reason to talk about elf but apparently one of their last products was a storytelling elf doll cool in the in the manner of teddy, teddy ruxpin i don't Tell want me a story i don't want elf telling my kids a story that guy like eats animals he smokes he drinks yeah. he's, he's a bad influence bring me a cat wasn't that the point of the show let no, me he tell you about my drink. Lucky Stew. <laughs> lucky is, yeah. Is that that was Lucky, that yeah. Lucky. I think Lucky made it out of that show alive. One of the Luckies, yeah. at One least. One of the Luckies, <laughs> yeah. Yes, so Coleco did go out of business. Uh, I guess they were reformed in like 2005 or something crazy like that. Can but you believe the Cabbage Patch Empire could crumble? So they were banking on that Cabbage Patch Empire. Yeah. I mean, all those people Nuts. out there with Beanie Babies, they didn't learn their lesson. Yeah, well, new generation to come in and I, make I went, new mistakes. I went to like a rummage sale recently, and there are just like mounds upon mounds of Beanie Babies. Like somebody just take these away. It's too expensive to burn them. Yeah. <laughs> Even the, the rare Princess Diana Beanie Baby. Oh my God, that's that's sealed on Lucite. <laughs> uh, that wait, that happened in 1988. Uh, yeah, Coleco, Coleco goes out of business. Collapsed. Yeah, so they sold Cabbage Patch to somebody else. And- they must have. I'm Those sure. I'm sure right. everything was like split up between multiple companies. And I, they never I'm... made leather again. Nope. Your <laughs> Connecticut leather uh, needs were not met after that. That's sad. So yes, get Let's... thee to a tannery.
Let's move on to our last year of this episode, 1993. It's a fantastic year, guys. Except we have two weird-ass systems that come out, the Atari Jaguar and the 3DO Interactive Multiplayer. I didn't realize it was this early. But, I mean, do you guys have any experience with these systems? I only played the 3DO because I had a friend that had it. I've experienced not playing them. Okay. You've like, never played the 3DO or Jaguar? Uh, no, I've had opportunities, and I've said, mm. I was younger and more easily impressed at the time. I see. I and, passed up a box 3DO at a flea market recently, and I'll always regret it. Actually, it was probably three years ago now, so that I still regret wow. it. Wow. It's really, it's really burning in your soul. I guess yeah. I guess it's not that, I don't know, it wasn't that impressive because, I mean, my one of my friends had, I think two of my friends had it out of like 15 kids in my one grade, which is an astounding amount of 3DOs. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, I think maybe the one kid influenced the other kid. must have been a billboard in the neighborhood or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, or just simple jealousy. Did, nope. But um, did, you, did you live near the... The 3DO factory or something? Because when I, <laughs> yeah. I I grew up yeah. in Lubbock, Texas. There were none in Youngstown, Ohio. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, which uh, was actually a headquarters of Texas Instruments. All right. So every school had TI-99 4A computers <laughs> in the early 80s. That's, that's got to be nice. No, we didn't. Like, <laughs> I, I just took it for granted growing up that, oh, yeah, everyone has one of these. But later I realized, no, it was only people in Lubbock, and no one else on the planet has heard of this system. And everybody mm. listened to Buddy Holly. Yes. That's where he's from. Yes, I know. Thank you. Fun okay. fact. Well, Fun fact. That's, that's, I still, didn't know. that's still the Brand only uh, the only claim to fame Lubbock can offer. I know he died because he let a monkey drive his plane, and that was in Kids in the Hall sketch. So please look that up, people, <laughs> if you uh, want to learn the real history of Buddy Holly. So yeah, the Atari Jaguar 3DO Interact Multiplayer. Kind of, uh, it seemed like the crash was going to happen again, but we were a little smarter this time. Am I right, folks? I Probably. mean, all these things in the scene. Was. I think uh, I think we survived despite ourselves. I, I I should also mention like what the 32x was out at this point. Was that 1904? Four. Okay, uh, Sega CD was out at this point, right? Yeah. So we had about like but the Sega CD wasn't bad. It was good. I I realized it was good, but it was just a, one of the many choices people had, and I think just the, misunderstood. the surplus of choice like uh, baffled people into. Well, you know what else was also out at that time? The CDI. That's right. That's right. Was so that ninety one or ninety two? One. Okay. Yeah. It was yeah, also crazily early. Ninety three is the year the Zelda games hit. That's right. Yeah. Two of them. I find it weird that well, not weird, but kind of funny that the CDI and the three DO kind of were billing themselves as the set top box thing, and now that is like Gabe Newell's like, I will destroy your consoles. Mm-hmm. Right. The PC will take over. It was just yeah, all but that. he had the good sense to actually create like the support structure for a set top box. Right. The technology first. wasn't ready at this point in time. Yeah. We can agree with that. The good thing is that uh, they can play games really good first. As yeah, opposed yeah. to all those old things because it was just like multimedia. Oh, this box can be everything in your home. It's you part can of play your life. Sir, Sherlock Holmes platformer or Sherlock yeah. Holmes consulting detective. <laughs> you can watch uh, I would love the platformer. Holy crap. I'd play the I think uh, CDI and the picture for mom. CDI yeah. and 3D had their own like proprietary video encoders or some sort of video like movie format that you could watch videos on them. Like MPEG yeah. yeah, it was really bad too. I mean, yeah. I guess it was better than VHS, maybe at the time, but yeah. Was it, was it basically like a VCD? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, VCD was because those were really big in like Asia in the late '80s. They were just easy to yep. pirate, right? Yeah. That's yeah. why my mom brought back Phantom Menace in 1999 for <laughs> 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 nice. I guess I didn't. I didn't mean to be too harsh on the 3DO because it was kind of meant to be gameplay. What was the mascot? First. Was it Gex? There was no mascot, really. There's no, there's no, no mascot games for... Gex was the de facto mascot. Yeah, yeah but yeah, uh, Gex appeared elsewhere. Yeah, then he went multiplayer. Yeah. Well, um, just because he betrayed them doesn't mean he wasn't there. original Did CDI mascot. have a mascot? Bitter, bitter salty tears? <laughs> Little different. No, I can't think of a, <laughs> the a 3DO... CDI game besides the Nintendo ones that anybody was aware of. I think the, the 3DO time. was banking on Dana Gould's popularity at the time, and uh, it didn't really take <laughs> off. Uh, although I like his podcast. Yeah. Let's go on to other things that happened. We'll go back to Atari Jaguar and 30 in the future. I think that's worth exploring. But guess what happened uh, 20 years ago, guys? 
Video game Sorry, violence oh. was happening oh, right. all over the place. Mortal Monday, thousands were killed. <laughs> yes. That was September 13th, 1993. All by children. Yes. All the humanity. Thousands of digital people were, were murdered in horrible ways. But in December 9th, the video game violence sentence hearings happened. Ray, I just wrote a blog post that you wrote yeah. uh, a few years ago about that. Can you talk to us about what was up with the video game violence sentence hearings and what they have to do with today's new exploration of video game violence, any, if anything? I can do the first part. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, well, I, the blog you're talking about was I wrote when C-SPAN had their big video archive, and and they, it's still up. I checked. Right, you yeah, can watch sure, it. sure. So you can go ahead and watch the first Senate hearing on video game violence, which was uh, set up by uh, Jill Lieberman and Herb Cole, and they had brought in uh, Howard Lincoln and Bill White from Sega and some other folks from other uh, software associations to come in and sort of comment on video game violence and what uh, they plan on doing about it, basically. Right. Did they talk over them a lot and yell? No, no, there's none of that. Uh, probably the most heated moment was when, you know, Howard Lincoln kind of snapped back at Sega for, you know, making Night Trap and thinking that, I don't know, Sega's defense was that, hey, look, this is obviously not for kids. I mean, what do you expect? But there was no rating system at the time or anything, so people were being, I, I guess, led to buy it and for their kids. And, yeah. Mom, and, can I have the game with the girl in a panties on yeah. the cover? Yeah. Uh-huh. Night Trap, of course, not being the uh, yeah, rape simulator that they th- thought it was. Right, I think Night Trap easy. bore the worst of the the <clears throat> criticism. Not yeah. Mortal Kombat. Uh, Mortal Kombat was like kind of secondary at the time. Mm-hmm. It was really Night Trap that brought up a lot of the first examples. In the in the hierarchy yeah. of parental scare it's tactics scary. in America, sex definitely comes right. ahead. Oh yeah, of yeah. I mean, you know, eventually all child all all children are going to grow up and kill people, mm-hmm. but. Do we really want little Johnny growing up knowing what sex is and possibly reproducing someday? Mm-hmm. You know what? I, um, I think that's a bad idea. And you can get to this in a minute, Ray, but I know you're going to talk more about it. But I think in order like, to shut the entire hearings down, they should just play the fucking music video from Night Trap. Yes. <laughs> just like, this is, what, this is what you're upset about. Watch this music video. The girl is singing into a hairbrush for two minutes. And or just to make my video. Dish, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, please continue. I mean, what else, what else happened? Um, um, God, okay. Uh, I mean, there were like at least one other hearing after that. And long story short, it's what led to the formation of the ESRB ratings. And also, well, before even that, Sega had finally, I guess, felt the pressure and started their own rating system. Right, and they were like games. MA-17, like Yeah, T- GA. Yeah. MA, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> a lot of times, like, if a game had punching in it, it was automatically MA-13. Cartoon violence. That's, yeah. Mischief. Um, Comic mischief. Chicanery. Yeah. And, and well, funny fact about that, it's something else I also wrote about in like the magazine, uh, was, you know, Mortal Kombat came out for Genesis as MA thirteen, but then it had the blood code in it, which would have <laughs> turned it into MA seventeen. That could have been never a, hot, got re-rated. a hot coffee type scandal. Yeah, it never got re rated or anything. Yeah. So I thought that was weird. Because hmm. parents don't know about cheat codes. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're just not cool enough. Yeah. <laughs> they don't get EGM. So yeah, I mean uh, I mean I think video game violence has become much more um of a problem. I guess we, I don't know, it's easy to look back and say that's pretty ridiculous, but it's hard to take something like Lethal Enforcer seriously when you're just shooting, like, 80s villains with sunglasses, you know, left and right. But I guess... Someday we're going to look back on steroids hearings the same way. (laughs) Yeah. What was the big deal? (laughs) We'll all be on steroids. I mean, not that I agree with all the furor over it today or anything, but I mean, there is obviously much more realistic violence in games going on. Yeah, so. yeah, as the technology improves, so does our it's, capacity to discuss people. Yeah, it's not huge globby blood splatters that don't Plus, look Look at this at room of menacing killers. Look what they did <laughs> to us. I don't know how many dudes I killed last night. Want to see my tattoos? 
I was just I was out in the tenderloin and I, I broke snapped. into a sorority and sang a song with some girls. <laughs> <laughs> Did you sing into the hairbrush? It's important. Otherwise, Sam they just you got out. on parole. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, we're all hardened killers, yeah. and uh, we'll see how this shakes out. But I mean, it's been in the news again recently, and I, I think every twenty years we have to talk about video game violence. It's just a thing we do in yeah. this country. Until sure. until another, uh, I'll never forget Mortal Monday, guys. That's all I'm yeah. saying. It's, it's a terrible tragedy they, for us all. Did they walk Ed Boon in there or anything like that? No, none of that. No. In, no. in manacles. I mean, there was nobody to answer for the artistic side of the game, so it was just the company heads. There was the represent. There was representation from the arcade industry, but they were like, "Yeah, okay, whatever." Also, and I they liked, didn't really get the the, the brunt of it. I, mean, I really like that picture you po- posted of uh, Joe Lieberman holding the enforcer gun. It's like bright yeah. blue or bright orange or whatever. <laughs> yeah. enforcers? What messages yeah. are sealing our children? Oh, yeah. Liebs, you lost your momentum. Yeah, there were some comments about the advertising for those games too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So let's move on to important releases. We're going to wrap up with these. There's a lot of big releases in 1993. Yeah. Star Fox, everybody. We did a whole episode oh, about that. Star you were Fox. on it, Sam. Yeah. Good luck. Was I hating say. on that game in that episode? Were you in that episode, Rick? I don't think so. No, it was me, you, and Cat uh, and Brian. There was an elaborate, uh, I remember, discussion or, or story about how the gates in that you fly through in Star Fox were inspired by like Japanese spirit gates. That was the coolest thing ever. Yeah, and like apparently Slippy you know is a Buddhist because he has he has prayer beads, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. So Who weird. Slippy? Yeah, he's got like huh. these prayer beads around his neck. So uh, nice. I'm gonna say what else came out. Can someone read this in the proper tone of voice? Ridge Racer. Hey, remember 2006, everybody? Well, in 1993, yeah. the first Ridge Racer came out, right? And delighted millions or hundreds of thousands. Well, hey, maybe also, tens of thousands. Well. <laughs> I don't, on, I don't know if it's on your list, but also Daytona. Uh, Daytona. I think you're the one to be singing that one. Yeah. Ray? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, typecast. Screw that. Speaking. Daytona. We just want a reprise of your amazing YouTube performance. Yeah. Well, he'll link it. Yeah, I'll link <laughs> it. Uh, we also have X-Wing. We just mentioned that. LucasArts released that bad boy for the PC. Not as good as Atari Star Wars. I almost like X-Wing, but it's it has the same problem that a lot of flight simulators do, which is that you fly Back in a straight story. line for a long, long time. <laughs> and then you get into the scrum, and all of a sudden you fly past the thing you're trying to shoot. So then you have to turn around, <laughs> yeah. and then you're bastard again. Switch to all range mode. Yeah. That's what they say in Star Fox. Do they? Okay. Uh, yes. That's why Star Fox is better because it's just a corridor shooter. Mm. Mortal Kombat 2 released our arcades on Mortal Wednesday. I don't know. <laughs> it just came out on arcades, yeah. That's the first time I ever used the uh, internet memorably as I'd go on news groups. My parents were, you know, they taught at ASU in Arizona and they uh, they had access to news groups. They'd come home and like on a black and white, you know, DOS thing, I would look up Mortal Kombat would you, codes would you, and print them out and take them to the arcade. Would you nice. argue which was better, that or Street Fighter? Would you do that? There wasn't stuff? much interacting. It was more printing oh. and in- inputting codes at okay. the uh, you didn't I learn how to go. type yet? And they were like, don't go in these news groups because they were like, you know, don't uh, go in anything because it says alt, flame. All binaries, you don't want to go there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Stay away from that place, kids. Uh, we also have the de- the definitive or the defining Kirby adventure, Kirby's Adventure. That sort of set up the whole idea of Kirby borrowing powers as his thing. Before he was just like sucking up things and spinning them. And yeah. this one, it was like, he's Mega Man now, why not? Yeah. <laughs> well, oh, God, I hate Kirby. Play. Oh, wow. I, don't think, I don't think anyone played that game when it first came out. I did. It was it was only years after that everyone except Bob Mackey played the game. Yeah, I had an time. SNES and I wanted Kirby because Nintendo Power made it look so good. Really? Yeah. Because they cropped it to the the part of the screen that uh-huh. was like you know the little box. That game had great uh, great graphics for what it was, and good animation too. 
Bob. And also a UFO catcher. Yeah, the, it did. It the fat no Kirby's colors. are great. It has two colors. It's it like, has probably 16 colors. Light yellow and light pink. Okay, let's move on. And white. Blue. We also have uh, Maniac Mansion Day the Tentacle. Check out a uh, former episode. We just talked to Tim Schaefer and Dave Grossman about that. It was great, and I'm, I sure, I'm sure you guys liked it. But Maniac Mansion was 88. Uh, Day of the Tentacle. Okay. Maniac yeah. Mansion, colon. colon Day of the oh, Tentacle. Okay. Although most people drop the Maniac Mansion. Yeah. We also have uh, one of the best Zelda games, in my opinion, Link's Awakening. How do you guys feel but about that? that was only in Japan, right? That came out here in 94, um, I believe. It was 93, I remember, when I bought it. It was like oh, okay. December of 93. It's one of those weird memories. Wow. I bought it, then I ate a Burger King. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I remember what that. What toys you get with your big kid's that, meal or whatever? I think it was BK some kind kids. of Goof Troop style thing. <laughs> I don't know. That is my favorite Zelda. You like that the best? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and to me, it seemed to, um, maybe I'm wrong about this, but it seemed to be the, the beginning of uh, Nintendo's like obsession with cameos and uh, self-referential humor. Yeah, it's the wacky Zelda. Yeah, it, it felt like, like... There's one of those every once in a while. Yeah. Like but it, it feels like uh, it, it was a portable game. That doesn't mean it was less important, but it means that the rules were a little looser, so they could kind of play around more with the... With... And those rules became absorbed into contemporary Zelda games. Like, yeah. If they hadn't have broken out of that mold, Zelda would have gotten stale pretty fast. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, so we also have Mario All-Stars, our oh. first exposure to Mario Brothers 2, the Japanese version. One of the 25 versions of Mario that we've all bought. <laughs> yes, several yeah, times. Yeah. Several times. Um, Actually, I uh, helped Altano make a list of this recently. It's more too. like eight. It was not more like eight. More he like came eight. up with like f- at least 15. What about All Night, Nippon, whatever? <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> Does that count? No, there, that, that's just a wrong hack. There were a lot, and uh, he, he compulsively buys Mario over and over again. Hmm. There's some funny ones. Guess what I downloaded today? That's right, my 20th copy of Mega Man 2. Yeah. Yay. Well, it's part of your lifeblood. So. KG Nifune gets what? A, a nickel? Something like you that. You over this. Nothing. <laughs> yeah, gets, that's gets, why he's, he on, he's, he's making Hyper game. Dimension Neptunia games now. He gets an e-card. Oh, my God. Don't remind me of that. The credits are still like not real. Right. So we also have Fishman. A, another... Music by James Banana. <laughs> James bon bon. Banana. <laughs> Yuki-chan's papa. I love that guy. That's actually Castlevania. So we have another game that came out that also has its own Retronauts episode, Mist. Jeremy, you're a fan of this thing. Kind of, yeah. <laughs> I'm one of the few people in the gaming press who will give it a fair shake. That's true. Uh, yeah. I so that's because you loaded of... your auto-exec bat file onto a disc and got it running. It's because I had a Macintosh with CD-ROM. And you had a strategy guide. He shuffled all of his hypercards. Put them all out I, there. I had actually, okay, so with it Mist, I did not have a strategy guide. It, it debuted on Mac. Yeah, I know. They said it ran on a Mac. Oh, okay. I thought you said it could run on a Mac. It did not like, run very well on my PC yeah. in 1993. No, I didn't I didn't use a strategy guide for Mist, or I didn't have one, but I did... Okay, there was one puzzle that I was really stumped by because it was sound-based, and for whatever reason, I don't oh. think in terms of was sound it like puzzles... Was crystals? No, it was like moving through a minecart, oh, and yeah, uh, game there were like hmm. tones, yeah. And I was really baffled by it, so I happened to be at Best Buy, and I like flipped through a strategy guide and got that answer and solved the rest myself. But yes, I... I guess I did use a strategy guy for the game, but I didn't pay for it, so mm-hmm. I feel I feel less <laughs> dirty. Yeah. There you go. So check out the Retrodots episode about Mist if you want to read, uh, listen to more about that. We also have uh, Sam and Max Hit the Road. LucasArts yeah. put out two adventure games in one year. That's crazy. But I, they, I guess they did have different teams you know, working on them. And we also have another episode of Retronauts, Doom, 1993, December. Yeah. That was one of the really early ones. Yeah. We should redo it. We should redo it. Yeah, I think I think HD. we had a I think we had a caller for that one who like sat around typing the entire entire time. So the entire podcast is like. You didn't hang up on the caller. No, we were too nice back then. Mm-hmm. These days, man. <laughs> now we're mean and he's dead to us. These days we'd like mock him on the internet. <laughs> too bitter. So we also have some other important games before we wrap up here. Virtua Fighter. Right. Yu Suzuki. 
Wow, ni- 93. Yeah, think about that. I mean, I think of that as more like a 95 game, but it feels. Okay. I never thought it was a very playable it came out game. The same year as Mortal you, Kombat 2. I remember yeah. being side by side. Yeah. How, br- how weird is that? Just like go in an arcade and see those games side by side. I, I, have you guys ever played the arcade game on its own? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's very clunky. I mean, even at the time, it was clunky. It's unplayable. It's just like I, I would play it to look at it, you know? And just like the idea of 3D graphics was still pretty interesting at the time. And, no, it feels like yeah. crap. It was a cool showpiece, but it is very swimmy. You know, and yeah. uh just slow well just seeing polygons like that at the time was novel yeah with like faces and everything yeah actually we didn't we didn't mention this but in 1983 the first polygon game came out uh, right that we talked about Major in the previous Havoc? no that's oh. that's also came out in what is it irobot yeah I Robot, that's it. yeah sorry okay and, and I get not the only has up. it's polygons it's uh shaded polygons and it has a movable camera angle the first who put that out and uh for what format system Atari. arcade okay Atari. okay cool uh, 1500 made Awesome. That There's is not part of my research. Every year, you got to see it. I'm going. So, I'm going this year. So cool. I have to go this year. Please do. I'll remind you. <sighs> yes. So we also have SimCity 2000. Come on, guys. Oh, yeah. Give it up. Yeah, that's a good one. Isn't that sort of the definitive SimCity experience? Yeah, laying pipes. I Still. thought the Super NES one was. Um, it didn't have pipes, Jeremy. Well, <laughs> right. Oh, pipes. Right. Yes, it had Bowser, great. but no pipes. to the internet. I, I'm a Sim Ant Man myself. Okay. SimCity 2000 feels like the link to the past of SimCity. Am I right? Can, yeah. we, can we use that analogy? Yeah, that works. Cool. That I like works. It's like they're building off of that constantly. I have no problem with it. SimCity, the new one, seems great. Origin will not kill your family and poison your pets, as most people <laughs> yes. think it will. Yeah. Um, and as I mentioned before, if you're going to play it now, load your auto-exec bat file onto a floppy <laughs> disk. And so when you boot up your... Com- okay. Okay. I used to replace all the MIDI, MIDI files. Or is it MIDI or MIDI? MIDI, I keep, MIDI files. Like MIDI, MIDI, MIDI files. is something you won't eat They're MIDI. you're vegetarian. That's true. Me too. Um, I would always replace the MIDI files with, wait, MIDI files with like Final Fantasy music when with I played because I was, I was a big dork. And we like, also have to close out the show with a kind of a fart, the seventh wait, guest. No. Yeah. <laughs> you forgot to close mention, out with seventh guest? I guess so. You forgot to Let's mention go back the most, to 83. No, no, no. You what did I forget? Mention, <laughs> you forgot to mention the most important game in 1993. Bubsy. Sonic CD. Bubsy. Uh, Secret of Mana. Secret of Mana. That's that right. That was the game that made me decide I don't hate video it games. It brought Jeremy back to video games. It brought me back from, from the brink of saying, eh, video games. What was it about and Secret of Mana? More like a bridge too know. far. It was, um... What? It's a Bubsy quote. Oh, God. A bridge too far. It was uh, it was the things I liked Go about away. Zelda and the things I liked about Final Fantasy together Smashed in a single delicious flavor. Yeah, it was it was a really really engrossing game. It had the fun multiplayer part, right? And uh, like big. it looked great. It had yeah. wonderful music. It did. Um, it was glitchy as all hell. True. But that's okay. <laughs> uh, I distinctly remember that game because it came out over my Christmas break, and I rented it from a local blockbuster with a friend. And, uh, like I, I hung out with him for a while. We played it for a while and then I took it home. And as it happened, I had all these free rental certificates from blockbusters. So I kept just like going and giving them the free rental certificates every couple of days. (laughs) And so over the course of like two weeks, I just consecutively kept this game out for free and finished it. And uh, that was not own. Before I knew what piracy was. And now Blockbuster's out of business. That's how we played video Because of Jeremy Parrish. It's all my fault. I did the same thing with Zelda, and then at one point I ran out of uh, the rentability that you the unlimited rentability that you had, and then I lost my save, and I never played it again for 20 years. Man. I was a pretty big fan of Secret of Mana. I remember I I was trying to convince a friend about how good it was. He he was like, that looks lame, and I flipped around the card. It came out. I'm like, look how many colors there are. That game had a terrible uh, just kind of advertising scheme, and the look is a localization of the art and stuff was just crap. Did it's they? Like, uh, like, was we can't, that just we can't little, put the little stuff clay? The little clay They were like Muppety. Like they, they look like they're made out of felt or something. I don't. I don't know what they were, they were made they out were of. They were plastic. Like they're the plastic. Okay. People. Yeah. I, I, they look kind of fuzzy to me. Mm-hmm. Come on. 
know. I like I like those figures though, but like you're right, Nintendo Power and Game Pro and whatever, they would have their own art. It's like the <laughs> Randy, the hero, is like this buff guy. Well, that yeah. was the and no one knew, knew what the sprite was. Wasn't that Tarada art? Age of games is like Tarada. Yeah, um, I can't remember. Katsu. In, Nintendo Power, yeah, I, probably. Tarada, yeah. Katsuya, Tarada. Katsuya, that's it. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, that game had me hooked from the title screen, which is probably so cool, it's still game. one of the most gorgeous introductions to any video game it's so oh, yeah so yeah. simple but the music is so wonderful and the the way it kind of like builds with the reveal of the the graphic like yeah. there's almost nothing to the title screen but it's just amazing it just yeah it's kind of got that that serenity of, of something like shadow of the like, Colossus. when the squaresoft logo appears you just hear the wind whistling <laughs> that's no, so whale great song. it's a whale song it's i whale thought it was song. the wind okay whatever it still affected me and it still does yeah <laughs> nice so i guess uh yeah we're done with our episode guys thanks for joining me um let's talk about contact info we are at retronauts on twitter and like i said follow us on youtube at youtube.com slash the one up network there'll be a playlist for this episode and uh you can watch videos about everything we talked about hopefully uh jeremy how can we reach you on twitter on twitter on the internet on anything game spite yay you didn't make it a mystery this time oh i'm sorry (laughs) i'm on the internet somewhere go find me and you'll win, a, you'll win a Blockbuster gift certificate. That was we'll tricky. That yeah. Also, I'm Bob Servo on Twitter. I forgot to mention that. Sam. I'm uh, Samuel underscore IGN. And by the way, you got to meet Tom Servo here in the office. Here I did. I met Kevin Murphy, um, Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett on Friday. And if you go to my Twitter, you can see the awkward picture I took with them. It was fantastic. It was. They you tower them over them. I thought they were clips. taller than them. Well, they're getting old, so they're kind of shrinking. Aw. They're great. They're, they're very nice guys. Thanks for... If my you, heroes. They're not listening to this, but I sent out my thanks and love to them. Yeah. Ray? Oh, Twitter, uh, <clears throat> rdb underscore aaa. And let's talk about plugs. Uh, please keep reading one up. Uh, like I said, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. I want to put all kinds of great stuff on there. That's all I have to say. Jeremy, anything you want to plug? OneUp.com. Plug Go there. Plug, plug, plug. <laughs> Steve Holt. Whoa. <laughs> that's that's timely now. Well, I never uh, imagined yeah. that coming out of you. Huh? <laughs> Sam, plugs. What's going on with IGN? Oh man, so International much Games Network. IGN. Uh, I have nothing to plug. You guys go to IGN. Let's see what we got here. Bongo, Cliffhanger, Crystal Castles. Look for those on IGN. (laughs) Yeah, we got some coverage. Make a wiki for Crystal Castles. Make a wiki for Crystal Castles. Okay. You can do it. Ray. I make a magazine called Scroll. Read that. Okie doke. Well, that's it for this episode. We will see you again next time, guys. Thanks a lot for joining us.